everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. I just got over a summer cold, and yeah, it seems totally wrong to uh, get a cold and be bedridden in, in summer. Oh, no. Uh, summer colds yeah. are the worst, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel crazy. like it, it could have... Uh, yeah, been put off, but it, at least it didn't interfere with Father's Day. So, went out for Father's Day. The kids um, bought me breakfast and stuff, and then they and I and and my dad went out to see Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was a fun movie, uh, even though I have to suspend my belief for movies because it. They, they just get into stupid physics thing. And I've worked really hard over the years to stop being concerned about mattresses stopping bullets and people standing next to giant balls of fire and not getting third degree burns. Um, and it's been a long process. I, you know, I, I think we'd be here all night if we started talking about the physics problems in superhero movies, man. Like there's, I mean, there's literally really nothing that goes right. Uh, about the physics of any of those. Uh, I- I'm glad uh, that you had a nice Father's Day. Let's talk about the daddy of the Pac-12 in terms of transfer portal usage, who's Dan Lanning. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's really done a, a stellar job of using uh, the transfer portal uh, to his advantage um, in a way that I, you know, I've been doing this series uh, previewing all the different PAC 12 teams. And there are some aggressive roster managers in the PAC 12, but I, you know, I don't think that anybody's done a better job uh, than Dan Lanning. And I can say that with a good deal of authority, you know, is that <laughs> given that nobody else has done anywhere close to a, a project as comprehensive as I have, we'll talk uh, about, you know, my latest uh, uh, in the series of the, uh, in the third segment of the podcast, but for now, uh, you know, Oregon took, um, uh, five more transfers uh, 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 at you know at or after um, the spring game. Uh, I, I'd already gone through the tape of the guys that they took before the spring game. Um, and I, you know, will be going through the tape of the new guys. Um, but to sort of tide us over before uh, we got there, um, uh, you you did us the kindness of uh, summarizing uh, all of them. You, uh, you pulled up the the new guys' stats and, and their career history, and I thought that we talk about your article. Um, yeah, it, it got some nice reviews in the comment section, so I, I figured we'd go over them. Um, let's uh uh there there are like four offensive players and one defensive player so let's talk about the defensive player uh uh first uh, is cornerback nico reed uh um from colorado uh what'd you think about him um well you know lanning's uh addressing uh overall he's addressing positions of need much the same as he did last year and it's um spread all over the board you know, he's uh, addressing, again, um, deficiencies in the secondary the cornerback. We had some wide receiver uh, defections and that kind of thing. And, and overall, uh, it looks like you know, he's really addressing um, the needs in the big picture, much the way that he did last year. With, uh, with Nico Reed, uh, Nico Reed is, again... Uh, another uh, defect from Colorado. 
because uh, you know Prime and his infinite wisdom decide to dump just about the entire team. Mm. Uh, he feels the need, much like uh, Christian Gonzalez did last year, in cornerback. Now, I don't think that he's he has quite the overall skills that Gonzalez did, you know, because Gonzalez just popped in and he was, you know, immediately the lead dude that everybody needed to throw away from. I don't think that uh, Nico reads in that same category, but I do think he's going to be very effective in the cornerback position. You know, he's got a lot of speed and, and he's uh, effective as a, a return guy. So in fact, he's, he, he's not the, uh, the only player that I listed in the article um, that's capable of running the ball back. Yeah, it is. I, I, I am actually interested in seeing Oregon um, uh, really try to kick up its return game. Like, uh, you know, there were a lot of points last year. Like, I, I don't really deal with special teams in, in my film reviews, just like not it the, the, the camera angles that I get from broadcasts, you know, are just not adequate to really study it in a comprehensive way. And if I can't do it in a comprehensive way, like I, I just feel like I'm going off half cocked and, 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 you know, I don't want to do that. Um, but I, you know, it's definitely something that I've noticed is that, you know, the guys that they, you know, often wind up putting in at, you know, punt and kick return or like necessary dudes. Um, and it's like, oh, I don't really love that. Um, and, and it would be, you know, one thing that I'd, I'd really love to see is to be a deep enough team, you know, for the Ducks to be a deep enough team that they have like so much speed to spare that like, oh, this was a backup dude that we brought in just for depth, um, you know, just as a safety net. Uh, but hell, he's so fast that like, yeah, we can afford, you know. Oh, sure. You know, we're, we're not really using him for anything else because the our, our primary dudes did work out, but like throw him in on special teams, you know, like, yeah, I'd love to see stuff like that, you know, for the Ducks. Yeah, and, correct, and I mean, me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I, you, you mentioned, you know, putting valuable bodies on the field for return yards and uh, subjectively, I, I kind of think that, you know, we didn't go to a whole lot of return, pun intended. It, you know, it seemed to me the last season, we left a lot of yards on the field, and yeah, I, mean, uh, I don't think it's Oregon schematic or blocking or anything, anything yeah, like that. But, but that's just what it seemed like, right? Oregon didn't grade out, you know, in 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 um, in advanced statistics, you know, in terms of special teams performance. Oregon, you know, had you know performed pretty poorly, uh, you know, and special teams did not have like a whole lot of extra yards in terms of special teams returns, um, and you know that could definitely be you know standard improved uh nico reads you know interesting because like you know i remember you know oregon stole the cornerbacks coach from colorado demetrius martin um who uh you know he was ucla's you know i wrote up a whole profile of demetrius martin when dan lanning hired him he was ucla's cornerbacks coach for a long time and then when jim Mora's like entire staff got fired by ucla because they were hiring chip kelly in 2018 like demetrius martin was one of the coaches they should have retained you know um but chip kelly's like got too swollen of a head in order 
order to do stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, he, you know, Demetrius Martin, you know, got fired too. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, where he, where he landed at was Colorado and like he, Demetrius Martin's like too good of a cornerbacks coach to be coaching at Colorado. He was sort of like slumming it there. And he wound up producing like a bunch of, you know, of like NFL quarter cornerbacks. Um, Mm And, uh, and, and I mean, literally they went to the NFL, you know, Gonzalez mm-hmm. and Blackman and a bunch of other guys. And like, you know, and, and the, and the thing that was interesting and like, but a lot of those guys, you know, they were like highly rated when they came in. Nick Reed wasn't one of them. He was like a low three star. Um, and you know, it was funny, you know, so like last year, you know, Colorado, not a very good team, right? Like, you know, it was one 11 team. And I remember when I was talking to, uh, to Jack Barsh, you know, who's the, who's the guy we usually talk to, um, uh, for Colorado. He, he writes for our sister site, uh, um, uh, 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 Ralph, your report. Um, and, uh, and the thing that I, you know, Colorado's defense wasn't very good last year but the thing that i noticed when i was doing film study about them and like oregon played colorado relatively late in the season so i you know i had a decent amount of film on colorado's 2022 season the thing that i noticed was that opposing offenses were just throwing the ball to the middle of the field over and over and over um and, and because like their linebackers sucked in coverage and their safety sucked in coverage and it's like so it's like you know of course quarterbacks would just attack the weak spot in your defense because like you know, why, why wouldn't they? Um, and, you know, it's one of the things that I asked Jack was like, you know, I, I noticed that the middle of the defense is really weak and, and, and you can just attack them all day long on that. But you know what I noticed is that like, I never see Nico Reed or the other, you know, Colorado cornerback whose, whose name's escaping me right now. Um, I suppose I can look it up. I have the sheet in front of me. Uh, the, um, like at all, uh, 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 Kalen Moore, uh, like these guys, like hardly ever show up on my sheet now, like this is, I know that like both of their starters, you know, the previous year, 2021 left, right. They transferred out Gonzalez and Blackman who went to Oregon and USC respectively. And then both of those guys then went on to get drafted. Um, and, but I'm sitting here thinking like both of those guys, like Demetrius Martin left, but most of their careers, they were trained being trained up by Demetrius Martin, who's you know, a pretty good cornerbacks coach and like nobody is throwing against these corners, you know, should I infer that these guys are actually like sneakily, like really good cornerbacks, you know, or, you know, or what? And it's sort of like, it's hard to say because like all they needed to be was a little bit better than the crappy interior defense that the buffs had. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like that, you know, the old joke about like, you know, if you and me are out in the woods and a bear starts chasing us and and I start running and you say to me, like, you know, what are you doing? We can never outrun this bear. And you know, my response is like, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. Um, (laughs) yeah. You know, it's like it, it, it's it's kind of hard to say whether or not Reed, you know, and, and his buddy or, or the rest of the cornerbacks last year at Colorado, you know, were at, like objectively in a vacuum, great cornerbacks or if they were just 
you know, faster than you are, you know, like, um, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The fantastic thing is we're going to find out because yeah. Martin obviously knows what, who, who he's getting. He's knowing yeah. the, the product that he's putting on the field. Yeah. I should and, think that if know, Demetrius Martin said, Hey, Dan, let, let's get Nico. Like he's, he's pretty good. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He, he'd know, wouldn't he? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of intrigued as to um, what we get from um, Nico Reed. He may not yeah, necessarily be a starter, but, um, you know, if he really performs, they're not going to start him from stop starting. I, I think he's a safety net. I mean, like, I, mm-hmm. you know, if this was an Oregon, if it was any other school and I didn't have like the emotional connection that I have with Oregon, I just sort of like looking at this blind, the way I would look at it is, you know, uh, it, it would look, it, 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 this looks exactly the, the, the way that every other school where it's like, oh, you've got a bunch of really good prospects, you know, who don't have a ton of experience, you know, where you're like, well, I'm betting on these guys working out you know, your Dante Mannings and your Jaleel Florences and maybe some of these, you know, true freshmen who look really, really good, like, you know, Dalen Austin and, and Roderick Present, you know, guys like that. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, if, if something really goes wrong, you know, these guys are not developing properly or, you know, there's a rash of injuries or something like, hey, man, you've got an experienced, maybe lower ceiling, but safety net kind of guy who's worked with this cornerbacks coach before. And, you know, you can throw him in and trust him. And like, you know, will will he, you know, knock your socks off as a cornerback and go get drafted? Well, maybe not. But like, is he going to embarrass you? Well, probably not that either you know like yeah i, I figure that's the role anyways. and hey maybe yeah. good, good return man too so you know yeah. right yeah it's um i mean it, it's a, a solid ad and you, you can't um knock the addition in the position of need uh all right the next guy in the list uh, for your articles nishad struther um he can't comes in from east carolina he's an offensive lineman um were you surprised at all with that take um, not with him. I, I, we picked up a couple of, uh, offensive linemen this year, and it's going to be interesting to see, um, how they're integrated and developed, you know, given, um, your sense that the offensive line just really needs to be, uh, a homegrown product mm-hmm. to be really good. Um, with Struther, Though, I mean, he was uh, three years um, mostly as a starter at North Carolina. And, you know, not, he's, not he's got North good Carolina, size. In, East Carolina. Uh, see, East Carolina. <laughs> a little yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, anyone but the heels. Um, and so, you know, it's not like it, what you're getting from a three-year guy is completely different from, you know, freshman, redshirt freshman, or or sophomore. I think, yeah, it, it, he's got, he'll have a, a tape history. I think that, you know, obviously the coaches have watched, and you know, hopefully he can fill a backup position of need. Yeah, being that, uh, as I said in the article, the, the offensive line was pretty banged up 
for the spring game. And yeah, I mean, one of yeah, the you, transfers you that they know. already got, you know, Junior Angelao, you know, he missed all of the 2022 season with an injury and he's missed, you know, the spring practices with an injury. And, it, you know, it looks like that he's just like, you know, the 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 healing is just not happening, you know, uh, fast enough is sort of the way that I interpreted, you know, Struther as, uh, as sort of like he came in to replace a guy who was already, you know, a, a portal guy, you know, cause he's a guard and, and Angelau is mm-hmm. a guard, you know, and it's sort of, you know, I think they took Angelau as a, as a guard, you know, to shore up their, you know, the, the their depth there, you know, uh, you know, they're sort of looking at Harper, you know, being injured and it's sort of like, hold up, Harper's injured. So we took Angelau and now Angelau's injured, you know, so, mm-hmm. so now we're taking Struthers sort of the way that I interpreted that. Yeah. Well, injuries seem to be kind of the nature of the beast, especially um, in the past however many years. Uh, you know, it's it's tough battling in the trenches, and uh, there's going to be some injuries. And we've seen, you know, several injuries over the course of the past few seasons that, you know, in previous years uh, – might have been a little bit more hurtful had we not had the depth that we have. Yeah. So, you know, knock on wood, hopefully um, everybody sur- survives okay. But, you know, it's kind of a, an in- interesting measure of cushion. Well, I'll tell you, you know, he's the guy that I'm most interested in diving into the film for. I actually managed to assemble quite a bit of film um, on him because like you said he's been you know he's been a three-year starter um, at East Carolina uh, it's just that I've never seen any of that film before you know Nick Reed uh, I've watched plenty of film on him uh, you know Gary Bryan I've watched plenty of film on him e- even uh, Casey Kelly who we're going to talk about in a second uh, who comes in from Old Miss you know because a bunch of my like mm-hmm. film study products projects have taken me to to watching the SEC because Oregon's been getting a bunch of transfers from the SEC or have gotten coaches from the sec or played against sec teams um like i've you know i've wound up seeing him before um but like uh you know very little you know film study has taken me to the way of of east carolina um and yet uh you know i've managed to acquire through uh, back channels and my other means uh you know quite a bit of film on him uh, but i've like i haven't seen you know a second of it yet um that's you know what's coming up for me so i'm really interested to dive in and see um what i can about him you know you generally don't become a three-year starter um without you know being halfway decent uh so i'm expecting to see some pretty good film um but like how good you know is uh is a real question um you know remains to be seen yeah. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Kelly. Um, younger brother, I believe, of Chad Kelly, uh, old Mrs. Mm-hmm. Quarterback, um, for quite some time. Uh, Casey Kelly's a tight end. Um, you know, I believe that's another one where it's sort of like, you know, Oregon found itself in a thin position at tight end, which is sort of, you know, it was a position where they had a ton of depth, you know, like they, yeah. they had at one moment, they had five guys, you know, on scholarship on the roster who looked really, you know, playable. But then, you know, uh, uh, sadly, uh, Spencer Webb passed away. Um, and then uh, and then um, Cam McCormick and uh, Maliki Matavow both transferred out at basically the same time. 
Um, I, uh, I'm not sure if they both knew that the other one was transferring out. It seemed like both of them were playing out to get more or transferring out to get more playing time, but it's sort of like, mm-hmm. well, if you knew the other guy was transferring, maybe you should have stayed, you know, yeah. um, on the yeah. other hand, you know, maybe that was inevitable given that like Kenny Dillingham was really willing to use a lot of 12 personnel sets. Whereas, you know, I did that whole film study project in Will Stein and I can tell you like that's an 11 personnel guy all day long. So there's probably just less playing time that's that's going to be available for tight ends so like maybe both of them would have transferred out anyway so anyway like um but terrence ferguson who's looking like who you know is going to be their main um you know receiving tight end has been injured you know for for all a spring ball and sort of looked like you know that just to get some depth in you know um you know in addition to patrick herbert um, who has a bit of injury history himself. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then the true freshman, uh, Kenyon Sadiq, they're like, you know, we need to, we need to get up the, you know, the depth to this room. So they actually took two different tight ends. They took Casey Kelly, um, who's on scholarship. Um, and they took, um, a, uh, a, a non-scholarship, uh, uh, Caden Ludwig, um, um, from Colorado, um, and uh, I sort of expect that both of those guys are, are are a bit more like blockers, um, you know, than, than really pass catchers, although they can catch the ball a little bit. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, they're sort of like I would describe them a little more like stop gaps, you know, than anything else. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, and I was uh, kind of surprised to discover that Casey Kelly was a quarterback in high school, and yeah. it kind of uh, leads me to a delicious thought of, hey, wouldn't a trick play sometime uh, in the season be kind of really cool? Yeah, that could be fun. Have, uh, have him throw a ball, and if it happens, you heard it from here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then, you know, the other, uh, another tight, uh, tight end on the roster, Patrick Herbert, of course, is, is, uh, is also, you know, a brother of a quarterback. So, you know, you've got two different quarterback brothers in the tight end room. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, it's obviously about just sort of adding depth and, uh, and for anybody who's like, well, why didn't Oregon go get, you know, the greatest tight end in the world, you know, out of the transfer portals, just like, man the greatest tight end in the world like do not like grow on trees right like you know great tight ends are unicorns man and just like snap your fingers and have them for the asking to like fill in for you for like a you know for a little bit you know because you know the guy that you do actually really believe in you know is injured for a little while it's just like come on man like that isn't you're not getting that, you know, like, you know, the, the, the this was actually, you know, pretty appropriate because, because Kelly, I, where I'm going with this, the Casey Kelly's a 2019, you know, class of 2019 guy. So he's only got, I think a year, maybe two years of eligibility remaining. So like, he doesn't like mess up the, you know, he, he doesn't mess up the, the class balance and progression. Um, and so like finding somebody who fits exactly that, like, okay, so I want you to, you know, eagerly accept this role and, you know, mess up the class progression and, you know, you can get in line and block and you can occasionally cast a, catch a pass, you know, like, and you're available in the transfer portal, you know, real late in the cycle. Cause they got them like, I think two days before the spring game, you know, like, uh, you know, and you have a totally appropriate body type for this is just like, 
you know, frankly, hitting every one of those parameters and still, you know, getting a guy who was, you know, played at a power five level in the SEC, like, damn, dude, like, you know, Casey Kelly's a pretty good get, you know, for all those parameters. That's a lot of jump through. And when you're talking receiving targets, Bo Nix is going to have um, quite a few receiving targets. Um, You don't have to um, have a five-star out there. What you're doing is what the, all the good teams do. You, you have depth for the, you know, inevitable injuries or, you know, if you have to pull a player out of a game, that's the, that's what Oregon didn't have, um, 12 or 15 or 20 years ago. They didn't have the depth. Now the, the depth is, is kind of amazing and, you know, landing and, and crew, uh, do a really good job of supplanting, right. Um, those depth positions of need and right exactly yeah, they, they've and, been know, shown it again just just like last year with the with the usage of the transfer portal yeah so at this point oregon is going to have four tight ends on scholarship of whom three are uh blue chips um of whom and uh, you know of whom three are experienced dudes who have caught balls before at the power five level um plus uh, two guys who are walk-ons, uh, uh, you know, Ludwig and, and Travis Brashear, who we saw in the spring game. Uh, plus, if they really, really need to, they can switch Matteo Uyunglele over and, and play some tight end, which we also saw in the spring game. So it's like, yeah, you know, this is a position that like for a, for a minute there was looking a little scary. Um, but like, I think they shored up the depth here, you know, pretty appropriately, um, you know, by appropriately using the transfer portal and in a way that doesn't like you're, you know, listen, this is another thing that I've, you know, discovered through doing, you know, all these, you know, uh, roster previews and sort of like the, some of the finer points of roster management that a lot of PAC 12 coaches screw up is they get so excited by like a, a particular, like, you know, good looking prospect, you know, in the portal or whatever that they wind up screwing up their class balance or like recruiting over a particular dude who then like, who then winds up, you know, transferring out. Cause it's like, well, now you don't believe in me, you know, and then they're like, they get left in the lurch because, you know, and like that, that's not a situation that it looks like Oregon's created here, which is like, good, you know, that's appropriate roster management. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so then last guy we should talk about is uh, Gary Bryant um, from USC. Uh, this was really interesting. You know, I think he was, um, you know, was one of the most, you know, electric receivers that they had. Um, but the way that he was showing it was in USC's really garbage 2021 season, you know, when they went, you know, they fired Clay Helton like two games in. Um, and uh, so like nobody was paying attention like at all to what an incredible season that he had in 2021. And then what he essentially decided to do was he played like just like, I think two or three games in 2022, just to sort of, I think just to demonstrate that he was like fully healthy and totally playable and there was nothing wrong or anything, you know? And then it was like, that's it. I'm done, you know? And and sort of, I think, this preserved his red shirt season, you know, like that, that, you know, he didn't burn that year of eligibility. Um, and just declared like, that's it. I'm going in the portal now. Um, uh, um, so, so, you know, 
uh, yeah, this is a really good pickup. What do you think? Um, well, I think uh, all three of the um, players that we picked up through the transfer portal, you know, Tez Johnson and uh, Trayshawn Holden as well, are, you know, really exciting additions that, you know, all of them have the potential to uh, really help out Knicks and elevate the passing game. So um, I, I think we would have been fine uh, with the other two, but adding Gary Bryant, um, um, you know, really, really adds uh, something to a position and a room that uh, crit- critically needed some help you know, given the defections out of the transfer portal. Oh man. Like, I don't know if they needed any help. I mean, like all the, the three guys that you mentioned, Johnson, Holden and Bryant, like they all basically play are inside receivers, you know, Johnson and Bryant are both shorter guys, you know, Holden's a taller guy, but just like the, his skill set is an inside receiver, not really a flanker. Um, I mean, I, you can line them up in the outside. Alabama did, you know, to, to some extent. Um, but like, you know, primarily I think his skill set is best as sort of like a possession type receiver that you play on the inside. Um, it's just going to be like a pretty, it's just going to be like a hell of a dog fight, you know, for, to the extent that Oregon has a limited, you know, inside, uh, receiver, you know, spot, like, um, I, yeah, I just think it's like, it's really awesome competition, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or yeah, depth, you know, in case some, you know, they, they wind up picking one guy, but then he gets hurt or just like, Hey, let's just rotate them. Or you wind up with different packages for, you know, somewhat different skill sets, you know, or, you know, what, you know, different down and distance packages or, you know, whatever, you know, it gives you a bunch of different options, but like in terms of like, Oh, we needed that guy. Cause they got devastated. Like, Oh, I don't think that's true. Like, no. Well, it's interesting that he he brings he brings a solid return game. So in that yeah, respect, true. he's kind of like Nico Reed, where where okay, we we don't have to put a superstar out there. We you know we can keep him happy in um, maybe a, a second team, if you will, role, um, and be a return guy. Uh, you know that's a possibility. You know, but it's like. You know, Oregon already had, you know, two inside receivers on, you know, on the roster, you know, who were returners, Chris Hudson and Josh Delgado. Um, I personally think that Hudson plays better as an inside receiver, although it's interesting. We have seen him play outside, you know, quite a bit, and he was playing X receiver in the spring game. Um, And like. I don't know, man. Like, I just think like, you know, or Oregon's pretty like overflowing with options in ways that, you know, guys can be played in multiple positions. Um, and you know, uh, like, yeah, you know, the attitude attitude of this team is definitely that like, you know, that they are just accumulating talent. And like whoever is the best dude available is just going to play. And there's just like, there's no sentimentality about this. Like, like Oregon, yeah, has two, what, what, two, Oregon returned two experienced blue chip receivers at, at on the inside in Chris Hudson and Josh Delgado. And they went and got three more, 
you know, like that's man, that's the thing that like, I really, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up this segment and, but I'm going to relate it back to like, you know, the, the, the roster management stuff that I see, you know, throughout up and down the pack 12, like, and, and why I think that Dan Lanning really separates himself from every other roster manager in the pack 12, where I see like, uh, I see a lot of aggression from certain, you know, coaches, which I have to applaud because like, you know, up and down the pack 12 for most of the time that I've been doing this, I saw a lot of complacency and I do think the level of aggression has gone up, but like nobody comes close to what Dan Lanning is doing in the sense of like pretty good is not good enough for Dan Lanning. Like, you know, he does not like settle for, oh, that position is taken care of, you know, that's done. That's adequate. Like, you know, we've got the oh, oh inside receiver that's taken care of. We have Chris Hudson and Josh Delgado. Those are experienced blue chippers. Chris Hudson and Josh Delgado would be starters on nine out of 12, you know, Pac-12 teams. Nine out of 12 Pac-12 teams would not give a second thought to uh, getting a single extra portal inside receiver much less three, much less three who are blue chips. Well, Tez Johnson isn't a blue chip, but like he's, I mean, he's PFF's number two most valuable receiver behind Marvin Harrison Jr. He's so good. You know, like the, the you know, that that's, I mean, that's Dan Lanning in the transfer portals, just like, it, like pretty good is not good enough. Like, I mean, it's just like, it's so absurdly excessive the way he uses the transfer portal to just be like, to just completely load up at premium, you know, premium talent at premium positions like wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, it's just, ridiculous. yeah, I think it's like, going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to see a competition in a room where, we're not seeing the same kind of competition in, in other rooms, you know, quarterback, uh, running back, all, all of that, uh, even the offensive line uh, is pretty much established, but um, there could be some exciting stuff out of this. I mean, definitely. But I mean, like, that's the comparison that I make, you know, we'll talk about Wazoo in a sec, but like Wazoo's not certainly not the only one. I'm not trying to like single them out. It's just who, who, the, the team we're going to be talking about this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they're, you know, they lost some wide receivers too. And it's like with Wazoo, as with, you know, most teams in the Pac-12, even the teams that I talk about is like, I praise the coach for being a, a fairly aggressive roster manager. It's like the conversation that we have is like, okay, so you lost some guys. What are you doing to replace them? Oh, you took, you know, just enough guys to, to fill up the hole. Uh, well, I hope that works out. You know, fingers crossed, everybody. I hope that works out to replace the production that you lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not what it's Oregon fine. did. You know, um, it's not. Uh, I hope that this replaces the production that you lost. It's like, you know, it it it's not just filling the hole. It's filling the hole and then you know building a skyscraper on top of it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting the way that recruiting and the usage of the portal has never been before. So, yeah, yeah, it's really looking forward to it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, uh, we will talk about uh, the first part of your uh, quarterback uh, uh, history article. 
So uh, you and Adam Holland are collaborating on a two-part article um, this week uh, about the history of senior quarterbacks at the University of Oregon. You get the first part uh, in which you're, you know, reaching back in time. I believe you're starting out with uh, one of my favorites uh, and a, a, a total blast in the past from Ducks history. In fact, I don't even believe they were called the Ducks when Norm Van Brocklin was slinging it for Oregon. I think they were still the Webfoots. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, the pack six and pack eight didn't exist back then. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the, gen- little, the, the Genesis, of, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Genesis of this article was that, uh, Adam had wanted to do some, do an article about, um, senior quarterbacks last season. Mm-hmm. Because you know Bo Nix was having a, a great season, the the only thing was that you know we weren't really sure if the switch should be pulled because it wasn't a guarantee that uh, that was Bo Nix's last season, and you know sure enough Bo Nix returns, and so this has uh, been an article that's on the um, been on the back burner waiting for Nix's true senior season. And it's a, an exploration of some of the great uh, duck quarterbacks and the great senior seasons that they had. So um, I'm picking up the, the old timers and, you know, dealing with some uh, names that, that might not be quite as familiar these days, like Norm Van Brocklin, um, or Bob Barry was an outstanding uh, Oregon quarterback in uh, the early 60s. And then um, then we really get into the meat of what people remember with the Dan Fouts era. And um, the thing was with Dan Fouts, the Oregon didn't have a, a great season. I uh, have to look and see. I think they went 3-9 uh, and nine or something on the season something like that. But, uh, but Fouts had great numbers. Mm. He, he had some, some uh, great statistics. And so it's no uh, secret why you know, he got noticed by the NFL, both he and, uh, and Ahmad Rashad and Bobby Brown, you know, they get picked up in the NFL and have uh, great careers. So, We'll be uh, looking a little bit of his senior year. Um, Chris Miller um, had kind of the the bugaboo of injury uh, over his head, um, and he he did really well in rising uh, above that, and was a first round uh, draft pick after his senior year. And then we get into the some of the earlier earlier, I say, you know, in terms of the age group, the listener, the uh, earlier quarterbacks that we're probably more familiar with, like uh, Bill Musgrave or, or Daniel O'Neill. I mean, uh, we forget about Daniel O'Neill, but he, when he, when we played against, I forget about uh, Daniel O'Neill. <laughs> when we played against Penn State, he set some significant I mean, I would like to records. forget his performance against <laughs> Penn State. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, you know he he had um, 
he had a good season with yeah three comebacks and um you know he was he was out, outstanding in in his era yeah that that's just what the ducks had it w- it would take uh until after um the Danny O'Neill and Rich Brooks era that we start see, see, seeing the rise in the quality of Oregon teams, the quality of Oregon quarterbacks. And that really starts with Keeley Smith. Um, so I'll be highlighting up to uh, Akili Smith, you know, basically going through the Norm Van Brocken through Keeley Smith era. And then, then we get into our, our golden age, if you will. And that's where Adam Holland um, picks it up it's from Joey Harrington, uh, you know, to the modern day Bo Nix. There's uh, a lot of quarterbacks to talk about. So you know, a lot of memories there. The, I, it is quite a bit of, uh, of memories. The, the, the thing that, um, I hope, I hope you don't get too nostalgic. <laughs> the, uh, and, and just like, I don't know, man, like, I mean, the cool thing about senior quarterbacks is that, like, you know, they 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 go the distance, you know, like I, I know that's a tautology, but like, you know, it, it's always cool when it when when a guy decides to like, you know, to, to come back and make it count, you know, like uh, and, and usually that is the case, you know, like usually their senior year that there is some sort of, you know, breakthrough. Um, the, th- the thing that's sort of, you know, that that's remarkable about you know, really, you know, really all the guys that you're going to be, you know, uh, examining, uh, you know, over the, over the course of this is, is that like, they're like their college, like by modern passing standards, like their, their numbers suck. <laughs> like quarterbacks yeah. don't, yeah, they're going to, yeah, qu- quarterbacks really don't like take off. I, I mean, Achilles Smith's you know numbers look pretty good, but like th- there isn't really a, a revolution in 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 college passing until the late nineties. Um, so, and, and I mean, you can see it. You know, I mean, you can see it between like Danny O'Neill and Achilles Smith, right? Like you know, uh, you know, D- D- Danny O'Neill you know, I believe is like a, a lifetime, you know, 130 passer rating, um, you know, passer, you know, I think he only wound up, wound up completing something like 56% of his passes, you know, over the course of his, you know, career. Um, I mean, he has something like, like 8,000 career passing yards, but that's because he played for four years, you know, for Oregon, you know, Danny O'Neill did from 91 to 94. Um, but like, you know, I think he barely cracked seven yards, you know, an attempt, which is like pathetic, you know, by, by modern passing standards, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, 56 or 56%, you know, passing completion. But then you flip over and look at Akili Smith, you know, who in his senior season, like, uh, you know, he looks like a modern, you know, quarterback. He co- he's completing like sixty percent of his passes. He gets ten yards an attempt. He gets, you know, his passer rating is one sixty seven point three. Which, like, if you put that him, you know, if you jumped him forward twenty five years and put him in modern college football, you know, with those passing stats, he would be, you know, that's Heisman level performance. You know, like. Yeah, the uh, the no, idea that that's, Adam, that's where I, the switch happens is the the late nineties, right? 
um, what Ed and, my, and I are exploring is um, what made uh, the senior seasons of these quarterbacks uh, special in the, that, in the way that they are in the context of the era. Because, you know, it's, yeah, it's I mean, not really fair to... To, to compare um, – Bill Musgrave with Marcus Martin. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, Musgrave's stats suck. You know, Musgrave's career. I mean, like, and I mean, yeah, Musgrave's stats. I mean, like, that's a that's a sub sixty percent, you know, completion Mm -hmm. percentage. You know, passer. That's a sub eight, you know, yards per attempt. You know, I think his uh, career passer rating is uh, like one thirty. You know, two or. I mean, as well, you know, just like uh, uh, O'Neill and, and some of these other guys, just like, you know, a 130 passer rating today, you know, is 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 below average. You know, like I think Cam Ward, who I'm just about to dump on when we, when we talk about Wazoo, is like a 130 passer rating, you know, like uh, – and, and that was like, you know, his his senior season was 1990, right? You know, like that's not like ancient history or anything, you know, but it's just like – you know, same same with Chris Miller. Like that's a one twenty three passer rating guy. You know, uh, uh, you know, seven yards for completion. Dan Fouts. I mean, Dan Fouts' numbers suck. That's, you know, I, I had to suppress a laugh when you said he had a great. You know, you know, he, he completed less than fifty percent of his passes. Like, what? Are you, what are you kidding? He right. threw. Uh, he threw seven more interceptions than he threw touchdowns. Man, like uh, he has sub one hundred. You know, passer rating, but like he's beloved, right? You know, like and he had a great NFL. Well, and, but like it's by the, the standards of 1972, like if you threw right. 12 touchdowns, just like they wanted to build you a statue, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and so that's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm just looking at the senior years and it's the context of, you know, a time where, well, that's what you got to uh, do. A lot you got to look at you know, how did, how did those guys compare football. to the average quarterback of that year? You know, like you yeah. got to put it in the context because, because that's, you know, absolutely essential. And it, it would also be like, I think pretty valuable for the reader to like, to, to be reminded of like how much the quarterbacking game has changed, you know, for the last 30 years compared to the previous 30 years uh, or more yeah. of college football, where like the quarterback was really just like kind of another running back, you know, mostly um, like and occasionally through the ball um, and, and just like the total transformation that took place around like 1997 or so um, and just like how remarkable uh, it's been. Yeah. Well, my hope is that Adam and I are touching those, those bases. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk about Wazoo's football program. So uh, my uh, Pac-12 football uh, preview series is uh, almost at an uh, end. This is the second to last one that I'll do that's not Oregon. Uh, saved Colorado for the end because it's like, wow, that's, that one's going to be big. <laughs> um, Wazoo's, I don't know, man. Like, they, uh, I, I think if I weren't grading on a curve, I would probably give Jake Dickert like a, a C. Um, in terms of like, you know, his roster management, because like 
you know, I, I do think, you know, there are some rooms that I think he managed, you know, pretty well. Like I, I think his, his running back room is managed pretty well. I think he addressed, you know, the problems that he was facing in the wide receiver room and, and the, uh, and the linebacker room. He basically his, his top outside receivers and his top linebackers got poached, um, by just more prestigious teams, which sucks. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, like if you go on any message board for any team you know in america every time they lose out on a recruit or every time a player hits the transfer portal it's like oh they're you know the opponents cheated you know like our rivals are you know are are the worst and you know they they you know the the only reason any player wouldn't want to go to my school which is of course the greatest place on earth is because you know uh, that 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 somebody must there's something hinky going on and must be money involved and, and 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 the only reason anybody would want to go to my rival which is of course the source of all evil, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is, it must be because they got bribed or whatever. And, and like 95% of the time that that is just like complete message board nonsense, you know, and just, you know, complete garbage and, and just, you know, fans coping and, and emotional, you know, silliness. But like the five percent of the time that it's true, it's wazoo. (laughs) I mean, it just so it sucks for him because it's just really true. They're like their two best, you know, their two starting outside receivers, uh, Stribling and Ollie, just got poached by, uh, you know, by um, uh, uh, I believe it's Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. And, uh, there are two, you know, linebackers, uh, well, the three really their, their, their best one got drafted, you know, that, which is like sort of happy news, frankly. Um, and, and, uh, although frankly they got him from Nevada. So like Wazoo was the big foot in that equation. So I guess what's good for the goose. Right. But, and, um, uh, but the, the other two were, um, were guys that like, oh, this, this is, oh, this is kind of a story. So. So like for a really long time, for like six years, man, like Wazoo had these, uh, this like trio of like, uh, of linebackers who were not very good. Um, but like they couldn't get rid of them. Um, like, and they survived like three coaching staffs. Um, they, they just couldn't get rid of these guys. Um, and uh, like, they just like, and, and Wazoo, like every year, like they, they would have like bad grades on my tally sheet and like drag down the, the whole defense. Cause they were like essential to like the structure, even as they were changing defensive structures, they would still wind up being essential to them. But then it finally, at the end of 2021, they, uh, they, 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 um, those those guys finally all three of them at the same time they all leave and so they have this one year window where they get diane henley who transferred in from nevada uh who only has like one year you know left because he's about to get drafted by the chargers and then they also have a couple of other guys who were like backups but like they would never get any playing time because you know these grad students you know that i that i was talking about and a couple other guys too you know the the these you know so the and it turned out these guys weren't the backups turned out to actually be pretty good um like you know but they were just never getting playing time so what happens you know th- it turns out those linebackers weren't half bad which like i have to say mea culpa like i didn't see this one coming like uh, in my preview this time last year of wazoo i didn't think that the linebackers were going to be you know turned turned out to be as good as they were um because mm-hmm. like i didn't really because like henley was like a two-star from nevada 
who's and I was just like, I don't really think this guy's going to be that good. And then he winds up getting drafted. So like that one's bad. You know, my bad, everybody. Sorry. It's kind of a black swan event, you know, that a two star from a G5 school who winds up was like, if you really were that good, he should have gone to a better school than Wazoo. It's sort of the, you know, the problem. It's sort of a black swan event, you know, whatever. Um, and, and then, but That's then the other guys, material. but then the other guys, like, you know, like I just never really got any film on them, you know? And so when they turned out to be good too, it was like, oh shoot, you know, like, so for, they have this one year window in 2022 where like their linebacker core for the first time in like more, more than half a decade, you know, they had good linebackers all at the same time and so their defense really benefited from it um but then they got poached you know so the same thing happened to to their wide receiver the same thing that happened to their wide receivers happened to these guys too uh you know one of them goes off to miami and the other goes off to arizona state um and uh and another one just ran out of eligibility um and so it's like they had this one year where they have really good linebackers but now they're all gone um so, but they brought, you know, but that's another position where Dicker brought in a bunch of new, you know, transfers and just like the wide receivers, they brought in a bunch of new transfers to like, you know, plug the hole. So it's sort of like, oh, you know, they, they sort of like counterpunched, you know, they, they, they took, you know, they, they got gut punched by, you know, their best players getting, uh, uh, you know, lured away uh, by NIL deals. Well, they went out in the transfer portal and, and responded. So it's like, you know, that's the good grade. And then a couple other positions like i said like the running back you know unit like i I think they you know they 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 managed it you know without having to take a bunch of transfers they just sort of naturally managed it you know pretty well so i'm sort of like okay fine um on the other hand there are a bunch of other positions on the team where like i think they should have been a lot more aggressive like they need a backup quarterback because like really the problem last year was cam ward like i just don't think that he's a very good quarterback like maybe he'll turn into good one this year because he was an fcs transfer who just like didn't look like he was ready to play against fbs defenses like maybe he'll grow up this year but i don't really think so i I think the real problem is just as like his throwing mechanics are terrible and like i don't think you fix that this late in his career i think it's just too late um they really need a backup well first of all what happens if he gets hurt they don't have anybody that they can play because they're all freshmen um and but even if he doesn't like they need another option in case just like okay i'm sick of your shit like you can't play you know but they don't they can't do that they they could they they should have been able to they should have done that last year they couldn't do it and then they didn't do that again this year you know just like that you know that's on you jake you know coach you know you, you didn't yeah. Um, they don't have their tight end unit ready to go. Like it's been two years now that we're, you know, they, 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 they're running an air raid offense, but they're marrying it to some other interesting concepts. You have to read my article. I go through the, it, it, quite a bit of, you know, the schematic discussion and, uh, and, and like statistical analyses about like how the offense works and how it's different from a sort of a normal, like Mike Leach air raid or the, like the pure version of it. Um, and in what's working and what's not, um, uh, but like it's been two years now where they've been waiting for their tight ends to come online. It's sort of like, just go get one, man. You know, we just finished talking about like Oregon went and got two, you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and like offensive line, offensive line was a huge problem for him last year. They took two guys. It, you know, from, for, you know, it, one of them is probably going to be their starting left tackle. Who's a Juco. 
And the other is an unrated FCS guy who's probably just going to be a backup, you know, and it's like they're just sort of rolling with a pretty similar composition to last year's line, which was a massive problem for them last year. Like they didn't and, and like they, they don't have like any depth. None, none of their offensive line backups have played at all, like like a lick of football, like not even one second of football, like, uh, you know, for real. And it's you know, it's another thing that we discussed extensively on the podcast. Yeah, 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 on the other podcast and then in my articles, sort of like, I didn't like this line last year. They are betting everything on a converted defensive lineman on the right tackle side, a converted defensive lineman who took over for the initial starter at right tackle. So like in 2022, they start one guy, but he sucks. So they brought in another guy to take over he's a converted defensive lineman and now they're just going to roll with the converted defensive lineman again as the as the new starter in 2022 and they're just going to hope well his frame's a little better to eventually grow into being a good right tackle even though he also sucked well we're just going to hope that he's good now like their solution wasn't let's go get a portal guy or let's, you know, like develop this a little better or whatever, you know, like that's what I'm talking about, you know, and, and like and they've, they're betting on one guy at left tackle, you know, who's a Juco who's like, look, man, you know, he's his measurables are he's six, seven, 320 pounds and he's a rated as a mid three star Juco because he was playing basketball up until 2021 when he enrolled in junior college. Like he has no idea how to play left tackle because he hasn't done it until like a, a minute ago. Um, and it's like, Jesus guys, you know, a guy with those measurables should be playing for Ohio state if he knew what he was doing. And so you're, you're just trusting that you guy, you, you know, you can train him up. And you only got one of them. You didn't go get like five JUCOs, you know, like you don't have a problem getting JUCOs. Oh, and here's the other thing about Wazoo. As far as I can tell, they're 10 scholarships under the limit, you know, like, which means they they're, they potentially can be adding like a whole bunch of new dudes, you know, through, you know, up until fall, but like, which maybe they're going to do, but like, it's awful late, you know, we're like, you know, today's the solstice, man. Like, you know, what do you do? Like, they they don't have enough defensive tackles to play competitive football. You know, like, I mean, they're, I mean, I, Jesus Christ, they're super thin. They have a ton of ends. I, I should mention that their their ends are actually really good. I really like them. I did a lot of differential statistical analysis to demonstrate that the ends are absolutely essential to their pass defense. Um, and 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 I also broke out, you know, their rush defense situationally to demonstrate that. Too. I really, really like their ends. Their ends are great, but their tackles are thin as hell. They lost all of their starters and they didn't replace them or not really adequately. Like they should have gone harder. You know, um, I already talked about the linebackers and the, 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 Oh, the secondary is just a mess. They should have gone harder. You know, they brought in two JUCOs who are probably just going to be backups at cornerback. They brought in one, one transfer for their, you know, defensive back room. Their, their starting free safety is terrible, but they're not going to have anybody, you know, in a position to challenge him, except for maybe this one transfer guy who didn't even play free safety at Utah State. He played slot corner, which is not really the same skill set. And he doesn't arrive until the fall. So I have no idea how he's going to be able to challenge him or if he's going to be able to challenge him. It's just like this. It's just not, it was just not aggressive enough. Like he didn't like, 
you know, like, like, I think I just named four, maybe five units where like they needed more help. And so it's, you know, that's why I say I would give him a C is it's like they, they, at the positions where they got hurt the hardest, he responded the best, you know? And so I'm sort of like, yeah, Jake, that's how you do it. When someone hits you, you hit back. Like, I like that. But then at all these other positions, it felt very complacent. Like, it's like he didn't notice that he was, that these units were in trouble. And so we didn't go hard enough in responding. And so like, that's the, you know, it's like he got an A in those, in, in a couple of units and he got an F in a bunch of other units. So that like averages out to a C, but then there's the, like, should I grade him on a curve? Cause he's in Pullman. I don't know. What do you think about that bad water? Like, should I, is Pullman really that hard of a place to deal with? You, you're a long time PAC 12. You know, what do you think about that? You know, I, uh, I kind of vacillate on that. Um, yeah, read what you had to say last year. And then in the early season, um, the Cougars come out with a, a win against Wisconsin. And I watched I watched the second half of that game and couldn't believe what I was seeing from the defense. Um it's all the ends, man. I, the ends are really yeah. good. They really punch above their weight class. Yeah. It's um and, and then the linebackers. I, they only got them for a year, but then the linebackers turned out to be a lot better than I was expecting. I I think there could be some psychology involved. I I wouldn't deny that there's uh often psychology involved when teams play in Otson. And yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, no, uh, I mean, well, it was kind of a we- freaky, weird place to play. Yeah, um, it, it is. You know, but it, I mean, do you if, think it's difficult to recruit to pull, like uniquely more difficult to recruit to recruit to Pullman than it is to recruit to say Tucson or Corvallis or Eugene? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I do. Um, and there, there's a, a lot of nothing out there. There. Uh, aren't major sports nearby, and you know Pullman's a, a pretty remote place, and Eugene is kind of remote when you you base it on more metropolitan areas, uh, you know the Bay Area, Phoenix, or uh, L.A., San Diego, Denver, that kind of stuff. But uh, but there's still a lot that that's going on uh, around here, and and the fan base and, and the feel from the community is different. I mean, when you, when a recruit comes into Eugene for an official visit, it's obvious the ducks own the city and they, they own everywhere around the city. You're going to see, you're going to see duck stuff everywhere because for all practical purposes, they're a professional team. The, the closest uh, comparison would be Corvallis, but, um, uh, Corvallis does have a decent uh, engineering and agricultural uh, academia associated with it. And, boy, you can't uh, argue against John- Jonathan Smith's success in uh, you know how he's uh, progressed there. So uh, I don't think that uh, Oregon State right now is in the same kind of uh, recruiting. They, they don't have the same kind of recruiting problems that uh, I think are 
uh, as far as the Pac-12 goes, I mean, are unique to Washington shouldn't. State. Like I don't know. Like I I, I wrote my article about or about. Oregon State a couple of weeks ago I thought that was also like you know they were carrying around a lot of scholarships on career bench warmers that they probably should have you know ditched and and uh and attacked the the transfer portal more aggressively like and I mean yeah I I definitely don't buy that I should uh, you know I think you're right about Corvallis like I, I think that like that's you know, that's not in the middle of nowhere. That's not Alaska, you know, like that's on I-5. That's in a pleasant college town, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, if, if I ought to grade, you know, Pullman on a curve, I don't buy that for Corvallis. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about other teams, we're really talking about Oregon. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know what team I definitely don't grade on a curve is the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> You know, like yep. if I found a single, you know, I just listed off, what was it? Four or five units where I was like, they should have done this harder. They should, you know, they needed more here and they needed more here. And they only took one guy here and they're betting everything on this one dude. And they're betting everything on this other unit on this one dude. And like, they didn't see the problem that they had at this position. Like, d- do you think I'm going to do a s- <laughs> that for a single a single position for Oregon, much less four or five? Or do you think I'm going to excuse no. anything when I get to Oregon by saying, well, no, it, they got to recruit to Eugene, man. Like, it's a rainy little college town in the middle of a no-talent state. Like, do you think I'm going to make a single excuse for Dan Lanning when it comes to roster management and aggressive, you know, portal additions and subtractions? Like... Right, and it's it's not a coincidence that when we're talking about Oregon, we're not making those continual red check marks. Yeah. All right, I think it's going to do it for us this week. We should wrap it up there. You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? No, just survive the summer and, yeah, hello, September. Go Ducks. <laughs> Uh, well, the weather's uh, been uh, holding out uh, fairly nicely so far. Today is the first day of summer, and so we shouldn't see too much rain, but it never rains on this podcast.